Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you. Someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Grief Recovery Now with me, your host, Charlene Gorzella. I am so grateful you are here today. Our last podcast was April 20th, when we were really in the deep beginning of the coronavirus and realizing this was not going away as quickly as we would have hoped for. I would like to start by saying, whatever you are feeling, grieving, or experiencing, please welcome it, acknowledge it, and love yourself through it. You are not alone. There is a collective shift happening that I believe is more than meets the eye here. Let's do it together. Brief Recovery Now is a place to take a breath and be where you are. Also, we have a private Facebook group for Grief Recovery Now you are invited to. You are so welcome to join. I will have a link attached and would love to have you be part of it. This is a podcast that I have been enthusiastically looking forward to because of our very special guest, Laura Jack. Laura is a compassionate communication and leadership coach, trainer for the Grief Recovery Institute, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of the Compassion Code Academy, where she provides in-depth training for those who want to create a culture of compassion, both personally and professionally. She is also a wife and a mother of two adorable children, most of the time. (laughs) She said that. One thing that struck me about Laura was her commitment to her own process and her knowing that to acknowledge what we have been through as an important first step on our journey to thriving. She wholeheartedly believes there is light after loss. I met Laura during an advanced online training for grief recovery specialists and automatically knew I was in the best of hands as she was our trainer for my journey to being of service in the grief recovery world, both nationally and internationally. I call her a rock star in the grief recovery world. She is well-respected because of the results she creates and walks her talk. I am a huge fan of hers and happy she is part of my journey at this place and time. Now she's a part of your journey. Sit back, relax, and take it all in. Today we will be exploring grief, vulnerability, and the rebirth that it can offer us all. Ready? Let's go. Welcome, Laura. It's an honor to have you here today. Thank you, Charlene. It's an honor to be here as well. Good. I'm so happy. I've been waiting for this. And right when I met you, I just knew that I love that you popped in my life the way you did. It was a beautiful surprise, which I look for all the time. Yeah, me too. And it's good because we're keeping our eyes open. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome. Well, we chatted last week and you mentioned the snapshot in your life right now is exploring grief, 
death and the process of rebirth that comes with any loss. Can you start by letting us know what is grief? What's your idea and definition of grief? Since this is grief recovery now, not everyone understands what grief is and whether yeah. they're experiencing it or not experiencing Are they in depression? They're sad. Is it grief? So grief, there's a lot of levels that go through that. Can you explain what is grief? Yes, I can. And I'm going to give you a few definitions. Oh, the ones that I think are the most helpful. So the first one and my most favorite of all of them, because I feel like it opens our hearts and minds to understanding what grief truly is, is that grief is the conflicting feelings that come at the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Can you repeat that? I was going to say, I'm going to say it again. Oh, good. Grief is the conflicting feelings essentially that come when things change. Okay. So it's not the sad, horrible, bad feelings that happen. It's the conflicting feelings that happen. So I'd love to give just a couple examples. So one example is when you lose someone you love and they've been sick for a long time, you might feel devastated and you might feel relief. When you are diagnosed with an illness, you may feel afraid and you may feel hopeful, right? These are conflicting feelings. They don't always make sense together, but they just are the ones that seem to show up, right? And what that does for us from a grief perspective is it helps us understand the complexity and the richness that grief is. It's not only what happens when someone dies that we grieve. That is also a grieving experience. And it can happen with major milestones. It can happen when we have a baby, the conflicting feelings that come when things change. I mean, you're excited, you have this new life and you're also like grieving the past and your old self and your like lack of need for responsibility and all those things. You know, any kind of major change in your life, major life transitions, graduating, moving, retiring, all of these are grieving experiences. It's why COVID has been so painful for so many of us is and the collective grief that we're all feeling is not only is it the conflicting feelings that come when things change because our whole lives are different, but it's also bringing up a lot of old grieving experiences that we haven't had a chance to evaluate because there aren't as many distractions. So that's the first one. And that's my favorite one. And I'll give you just a couple quick others. So the other one that I love is that it's also a loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations of what we wish were different, better, and more. So the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations. So when someone gets a divorce, for example, it's a grieving experience. And people might say to you, yeah, but wasn't it your decision? Or, you know, you knew that it was a bad relationship. Fair, intellectually true. Emotionally, whether we choose the divorce or we are handed the divorce, the grief can come from the fact that you thought it would turn out differently. A loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations about who this person has become or who you've become in the relationship and how you thought it would turn out. Things that you wish would be different, better, or more, right? So that's a huge one. And divorce is just one example. But even when it comes to death, we feel like, I wish I would have said I love you one more time. I wish that I wouldn't have had to make this decision that was really hard, right? So there's so much about grief that really is encompassed in that idea of a loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations because of that deep, deep level of disappointment and the conflicting feelings with, I should feel this way and I don't right? Which we do to ourselves. We should ourselves. When in reality, like you said, 
welcoming all the feelings that we have, acknowledging them, and then loving ourselves through them, which I think is a beautiful representation of what really could happen when we allow ourselves to feel. That's beautiful. Especially it's not all losses that are sad or devastating or traumatic. I mean, we are human beings. We are humans. We will never rise above our humanity. I remember I sold my company after 26 years. It was a good thing. I remember a year into it or so, I started grieving the last, the continuity, the knowing. I was in uncertainty when I really, uh, knowing is comfortable. It was like an old shoe. I walked around. I knew what I was doing. And the uncertainty is very vulnerable. And I realized I was grieving it. Oh yeah. And And what about a loss of identity? That was your business. That was your company. That was your baby. I was CEO. Oh, Charlene has Mac and, you know, a staffing firm. She does this and that and that. It was like, it puffed me up. I'm like, who am I now? And you know, it's funny, two and a half years later, that was my identity. Now I don't even mention it. It's so nice because I did whatever I needed. I felt the feelings. I acknowledged something that was percolating within me. And that's, you know, through some of the work I've done and all that kind of stuff, of course. But it's beautiful. And now, you know, I'm in my early 60s and I'm like, oh, I'll never be 30. I'll never be 25 or whatever, a loss of all kinds of things. But I gained so much. I have all my wisdom. Oh, yeah. But that conflicting feeling. So it's beautiful. I love the way you put it. So thank you so much. And I know we have some time, you know, this podcast is about 30 minutes or so. So I want to get on with this because I think you explained it so beautifully and I hope people got something out of it and they maybe took some notes. <laughs> also, regarding grief and death and the process of rebirth that comes with any loss, how is vulnerability a valuable place to be? And then what's your own experience? Since we're talking about rebirthing, with the experience of loss and grief. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that rebirthing means and how it relates to your life? Because I know you're exploring that right now. You know, you're exploring your compassionate coach, you're a lot of things, Laura, but this is like exciting. When you told me about that, I would love for people to have, I'm to me, grief recovery now is about results, being where we are, the snapshot of our life, but also What's the infinite possibilities with this? What is something that while we're in the midst of whatever is going on grief-wise or devastation or change-wise, it's like, what is that rebirth? It's not always easy. And I had a dream last night that I couldn't see. I was outside and couldn't see. I go, that reminds me of rebirthing. I can't see what's going on, but I'm still sort of finding my way. I'm like, because I knew we were going to be talking about this today. Yeah. It's like that unknowing But yet I want to give people hope. And this is what I get from you and why I like you so much Mm. is the rebirthing means like that new, that Phoenix. Tell me about that with you. The first visual that came up as you were covering your eyes was the idea of the butterfly. It's like this caterpillar that goes into its cocoon, right? Mm -hmm. And the chrysalis and, and then it rebirths as a butterfly. Mm Mm-hmm. But when it's in the chrysalis, when it's in its cocoon, it's dark and it's scary and it's painful and it's uncertain. And what's on the other side to that little caterpillar and that little thing is unknown, right? And with the right support and the right nourishment and the right creation of a safe space, that butterfly is part of the rebirthing process, right? It is part of the beauty. And I love that you said the phoenix because I really love the visual of the phoenix rising from the ashes. There's a quote that I wrote 
in, you know, some of my grief work, which is that, you know, the ground after the fire is the most fertile place for growth. Mm. And, and it ushers in a new beginning that we may never have even known was possible. Right. So I'll tell you a tiny bit about my story, which is in 2008, my mom was walking across the street and she was run over by a car. And it was earth shatteringly devastating for me. I mean, it just broke my heart. It brought me to my knees. It was by far the greatest devastation of my life. And part of me, part of my family, part of, you know, us all in that time died with her. You know, there was a death that happened. It was, and that, that word that you, those words you just used, which is, who am I now? That's actually what the work I do after grief recovery is, is the who am I now work. Because once I completed the grief work, I was like, who am I? Who am I if I'm not, you know, Jan's daughter? Or who am I if she's gone? Or do I only want to be a girl who lost her mom? Like, what are my, who am I? What is my identity? And, you know, for me, the rebirth has been about owning my own story, deciding what part of my grief experience is part of my story. And how else do I want to proceed in my life? What else do I want? Like, what is the legacy that I want to leave? How do I honor my mom while creating my own experience of life, right? So it's the death of who I was. I'm no longer the maiden. I'm no longer the girl. And and that was a really devastating loss, not just to lose my mom, but to lose my childlike wonder and my lust, like, you know, lust for life and my, or zest maybe is the word. And my maybe just kind of whatever, like life's good. That part of me died when she died. And what has been rebirthed over the last many years is a very deep, powerful queen rather than a little princess that I was, which was great and playful. And I, there are times where I miss being that girl, you know, but it was funny because one of my clients, people used to call me the grief girl, like, Oh, Laura's the grief girl. And maybe a year ago, I was like, you know, I'm just sick of being the grief girl. I just don't want to be the grief girl anymore. And one of my clients recently, he said, I recommended you to a friend of mine. And I said, okay, like what did, like for what compassion or grief or whatever, what is it that you want? And she, he's like, I told her that she needed to work with the goddess of grief. And I was like, all right, I'll take that. You know, like I, I will take the goddess of grief any day. But what is amazing about that is that as I step into my power, as I own my story, as I complete the pain of my past and decide how to proceed as I allow feelings to come and go, I get to step up in my life, not as the little girl, not as the princess, not as the maiden, but as the queen of my own domain, as the leader of my own life, as the compassionate leader of my own life. And I get to lead by example and inspire others, hopefully, that there is light after loss. There's not only life after loss, but there is light after loss. And you can be inspired and you can be better than you ever thought possible before. Because grief cracks you wide open and it can break your heart. And instead of feeling like you're broken, we get to do like the Japanese proverb where we put gold where those breaks are and show the power of what happens when our heart breaks. That when we choose to proceed and live again is that it can be even more beautiful. It can be more powerful. It can be more inspiring than anything we even knew existed before that. That's beautiful. And then your mother and I'm sure, well, like you said, your life is forever changed. You are forever changed. Your family, 
And the imprint, whatever it was, the DNA in your family now totally shifted. Oh, yeah. And I get it. I lost my father and mother both very quickly and just get phone calls. Dad died. Mom died. There was no saying goodbye. And it sounds like the same with your mother. And no matter how it goes. And I just, he died when I was 16. I'm 62. I did my grief recovery work on my father. He died young. So I never had that. And plus I was a teenager. So I didn't hang with him. Or, you know, have that relationship I could have now as a mature woman or even someone in her 20s who would understand the value of having a father instead of my father was like, got 20 bucks, dad, thank you, love you, bye. That was it. And what also there, I did some attachment work and I realized I've been single for a long time and I have never had like a life partner. I've had short-term relationships considering it wasn't 20 years or 10 years. And I just did this grief work and it just opened up my idea of partnership, being available to be intimate with someone without fear of abandonment and not going too deep. And then losing my mother anchored it. And then I was, I've been sober for 32 years. I had to let go of that relationship, drugs and alcohol. So being 32 years and that rebirthing of, I went through a 12 step program and then used other, you know, avenues. But now grief recovery just cracked me right open. That's why I'm such a fan of it. It's not grief support where we're just around regurgitating our stories. So There's nothing wrong with that because we need that. Yeah, it's a good starting place is what I yeah, like to say. Good starting point to get to realization and get it out and sharing and not be alone and right. learn from others and peer to peer because I, I believe in the peer to peer to support model. But the results that I did to do this change. Now I'm in an awesome relationship. I'm ready to just explore to its fullest. And I'm like, it's different. I'm different. So that rebirthing, I've rebirthed. People yeah. say, what about another relationship? Well, I'm not the same person. I'm expanded. Yeah. You are. So I love that. And you can see it on your face. Honestly. You can? Oh, good. Thank you. And I love it. Can Now, what do you think about just the planet in general with the rebirthing? I know we talked about the coronavirus and even the Black Lives Matter. I don't want to forget about that. And our collective consciousness with social media and all that. Can you explore? Have you thought about any of that? No, it's like all I think about all the time. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) You know, what I think. And not that, that, hold on. And not that we have... We're not African-American or Black, but just what we're witnessing, and I know us, the support we have of this powerful movement. So I'm not saying I've been there, done that with the Black Lives. I just know I'm there of support. So Totally. So one of the things that has really stood out to me is that we're in a period of activation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it started in many ways with the Me Too movement a few years ago, where it was like, And I I actually just wrote about this. So let me see if I can pull this up for you because I I was writing earlier today and I feel like there's a really, a piece that I'd like to share just that might be helpful, which it really goes along with this idea of death and rebirth, you know, because there is so much loss related to what's going on in our current times. And so what I wrote is it's understandable that what matters most is becoming clear and what we're willing to put up with is changing. That's what grief does. It strips away the facade. It's where love has a chance to show itself and where powerful movements like Black Lives Matter, Me Too, and LGBTQ really are born, right? And so that was what I was writing about earlier was that 
grief, the grief we're experiencing as a society, not only with COVID and the major conflicting feelings that we're experiencing because things are changing and that our daily lives have changed so dramatically as a global society and so interconnectedly, like there's nowhere to go. You can't like move to Europe because you'd want to get away from COVID. It's like, no, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You can't just like decide, oh, I'm going to go to Costa Rica or whatever. No, everywhere. There's nowhere that is immune, just like no one is immune to grief. Grief is part of the human experience, right? And so what I feel is that this activation that we're having, it's like, you know, I know that you know this, so, but I'll explain it to our, our crew here who are watching, which is the kettle philosophy. So the idea that we are a kettle. And so when we, like all of our grieving experiences of our lifetime and our collective grief, like from our family of origin and our generational wounding, it's all inside our kettle, right? It could be thought of as our DNA or whatever, but I like to think of it as the kettle. So you have, you know, every rejection you've ever faced, every loss you've ever had, every devastation, every whatever, and it's all in there. And if we don't have the right tools to express it, then our kettle gets caught, right? And the fire of life can get really hot. And right now, it is just on high, right? COVID, Black Lives Matter, all the things, like everything that's happening, social unrest, you know, isolation, division, all the things that are happening as a society, the heat is up, it's on high, and we are looking for outlets. And so in grief recovery, we talk about STURBS, short-term energy-relieving behaviors. So things that we use to distract ourselves. Those are usually the things that help alleviate the steam inside the kettle, right? All that, all that stuff that builds inside of us before we explode, right? So the way that I see what's happening in the world is that I think of it as a major, the heat is on high. There's a lot of stuff that's unresolved in our kettles. There's a lot of unresolved grief in our lives that we've never looked at because we were never taught how to move through our grief, how to communicate over our losses, et cetera. And so we're all, all de- like these kettles full of grief, unresolved grief corked up because we have no distractions except Netflix. We can't even go out and do the things that we typically do to distract ourselves. And the life fire is high. And so that is a perfect storm for movement, change, right? And so even though it is incredibly painful, change, change is hard. That's why most people just stay with the status quo, right? Things just kind of stay the same until, what does Tony Robbins say? Until the pain of the way it is outweighs the pain to change or something like that, where you know, all of a sudden it hurts more to stay stuck. So I'm going to change even though change is scary, right? And that's what I see is happening is we're experiencing the cocoon right now. And we're experiencing a rebirth if we choose to allow it to be that, right? Where we can come together as common humanity and love and service and compassion for each other, for our experiences, acknowledging the grief and acknowledging what people are going through and the generational wounding of the Black Lives Matter movement, of the LGBTQ community, of literally any disenfranchised community who had stuffed grief for generations because it wasn't safe. And at this point in history, it's like, we're not putting up with this anymore. And the fire is too hot. I can't handle it. I can't stand it. And that is where change happens. And I see this, even though the pain of it is heartbreaking to watch, to be part of all of it, and it's scary, but it's also to me as a person who's gone through a major rebirth myself, I think it has the same potential for a new beginning that we never even knew was possible. And to me being part of that, that new solution, that new contract as a society of love and compassion and understanding and acknowledgement and validation of each other's experiences and of our own is where I want to go in the world. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to look this up. 
I love it. And I love that you had talked before our talk today was about you're an intuitive communicator. I am too. So I love the way it just creatively flows out. And thank you for sharing that. It's so true with the kettle. And when you talk about what Anthony Robbins said, Michael Beckwith was one of my spiritual teachers. He said, you're either pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. Yes, exactly. And with that pain, you know, we've got to be, we have to have reminders of people. It's like, let's get a vision. That's when so, and I believe change your thinking, change your life. Thoughts become things. Choose the good ones. And so it's up to us, the ones who are called to be of service to others, especially we got to start where we are. And the snapshot of your life is like something about that rebirthing is coming through. It's like you're getting downloads and you're listening, which I appreciate you so much that way. And I'm glad we're at this time and place together. And with all of you who are listening too, you know, you're not here by accident. You're here for a reason. And you're listening to this podcast for a reason. This is times to rise and it takes courage. And courage is, I just got chills, by the way. Me too. And it does. And vulnerability, you can't have courage without vulnerability. And Brene Brown, we're bringing up people that, you know, are part of our leadership and new thought leadership and ancient wisdom leadership that have, you know, taking it to this time. The truth is the truth is the truth. And I'm so happy we talked about this today. I, we're running out of time. I just want you to know, I just love that you were on the show today. You're going to be back, right? Yeah, of course. I love it. I'm happy to be here. And I'm glad we're talking about this. It's so important to me that we talk. I think conversation is part of the solution. It's how we heal is having vulnerable, compassionate conversations. And how else do we move beyond, you know, one of the things that we talk about is how shame lives safely in secret. We can't move out if we can't, you know, heal our shame or our pain. If we keep letting it live in the dark, we have to bring it out. We have to let the light touch it and honor it, acknowledge it, validate it. And then we can move beyond the pain. Then we can create something new, something that's better than what we've had in the past. Right. And so I, I mean, I just feel so passionate that this is a possibility for something amazing. If we allow and choose for it to be beautiful, you know, and yes, it hurts. Like no doubt about it. Change hurts. Grief hurts. I mean, and once we get to the other side, once we move beyond the pain, which is the work we do with the grief recovery method, the possibilities become endless. Infinite possibility. And I want to thank you for being on the show today and being on this podcast and being part of this new way. You're a way shower. I think that's how you pronounce it. But I'm just so excited. And any last words about anybody who's dealing with grief or the shame you talked about? Can you repeat? what shame is like shame lives in secret yeah shame loves being in the dark because that's where it thrives right but once we give it a voice and we say i feel embarrassed i feel ashamed we apologize we open it up and we vulnerably speak about our truth it dissipates it can you're not alone in it and once you're not alone live in the light it really can't and it's cut in half when we share remember what some of the, the one of the myths in grieving is you should do it alone. Let them be by themselves or, oh, I need to be by myself. I can't share this. And that is the biggest myth out there. So pain is cut in half by sharing just one person. And And a lot of times why people don't share, and I, I would love to offer this as a gift for your listeners, but I created a webinar called Three Steps to Move from Isolation to Connection After Losing Someone You Love. And it's an amazing tool because it's only about 35 minutes long. 
and I'll, it's laurajack.com slash light, I think, and I'll send it to you. But at the end of it, I talk about the importance of being able to stand up for yourself with kindness and compassion. And I actually give people scripts in order to ask for what you need and a way that people can actually receive you. So because people often say things that are not helpful and it can break our hearts and help it and have us feeling even more isolated, right? And so this is a chance for people to get some tools to say what they need to say that people can receive and can they can protect their heart, right? Which is what allows for that connection. Because if you open it up vulnerably to the wrong audience, your heart can get smashed again and that will lead to future isolation. Yes, I get that for sure. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that and that take the takeaways, not just one, but a few of them. And I know I've learned from this and it's such a joy to share this with you and everybody out there. And please tell your friends about Grief Recovery Now podcast. On this podcast page, there'll be information on Laura, myself, and we're here for you. And we're all in this together. So keep coming back. There's no time like the present to go to your next step and your next elevation and your rebirth. We're here for you. You're not alone. There's many out there. And I'll leave all kinds of helpful websites and all that kind of stuff. And Laura has written some great, awesome stuff. So we'll have that all for you. And also we're on Apple Podcasts, all kinds of different Instagram and Facebook and all that. And I'll put all that stuff down. So please listen to us, share it with people. I think the world needs this. And please subscribe if you're on Apple review and rate. That would be so awesome and appreciated and love you guys. And here we go. We'll see you next week or in two weeks. I'm doing the show every two weeks. And then after a while, it'll be every week. So I don't want to bombard all of you. So thank (laughs) you again, Laura. You're just awesome. Thank you so much, Charlene. Okay. Signing off. We'll see you next time. Peace and love. Thank you for joining our grief recovery now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts, and we will keep you posted on our next podcast. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now, and if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is griefrecoverymethod.com forward slash G-R-M-S forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.